Hello guys and girls and welcome to a special episode of the F Reality Podcast. This is a weekly VR, AR and MR talk show live streamed every Saturday on YouTube, Facebook and on Twitch. Of course, we're not live streaming live this week because we're here from the show floor at Oculus Connect 6 together in real life, which is uh, awesome to uh, be around you guys. Um, so today in this episode, this special episode of the show, we're just gonna be talking about all the stuff we experienced at Oculus Connect 6, some of our highlights, some of our like, like takeaways from the, the keynote, which was the big event uh, yesterday. Um, and of course, I'll introduce you guys as well because maybe I should do that if you don't know who we are. So uh, this fellow uh, to my left who's holding the microphone is of course the legend that is Nathy. Then we've got ZimTalk5 and then Rowdy and then finally myself, the host of the show, Mike from Virtual Reality Oasis. So I guess like because we start the show normally talking about our highlight of the week, maybe we should start this episode of the podcast with our kind of highlight of the show so far. Um, so a game you played or an experience that you tried that you thought sort of stood out from the rest. So I think I'll pass it over to you, Nathy, first to, to see what you have to say about this. Um, so yeah, what did, what did you play and what, what, what do you think would be your highlight of the show so far? So honestly, I haven't really, I haven't really played that much because the lines are quite long. And I just yeah. like need to sometimes wait for two, three hours to get somewhere. Um, but the most important thing that I wanted to try after the keynote was, of course, the hand tracking. I was like, I, I can't miss that one out. So I did. Uh, it was like a, an insurance demo. You were playing as a farmer's insurance. I have no idea what that means, but it was awesome. I had to uh, open some, some cabinets. I had well, to go and add some context. So some people might not know what the what hand tracking we're talking about here. Oh, yeah. So Oculus Quest, uh, they've they've just announced that essentially it will give in November, I believe, full finger hand tracking on the Quest with no controllers. And you got a chance to try out this, yeah, far, industrial farmers demo. Like, wh what did you do in that demo? So there was like water damage in my kitchen, cool. and I had to find all these places where there was like water laying around. Although you would think if you uh, talk about hand tracking, it's like you grab things or, but in the end it was just me like pointing at things and then it just opened. So there was like a cabinet that I could open. I just had to point to open it. So I wasn't grabbing things. I did try of course, because that's like, I played so much with the leap motion. That was my natural reaction. Um, but I'm sure we're going to talk more about that later, how good it is and things like that. So, so I think, I think that, like you, you mentioned Zim, they've mentioned this free update for Quest that's shipping in November, adding finger tracking to Quest. It's kind of surprising though they didn't mention about it being added to Rift S either, right? Um, and I wonder if it's because of the, the locations of the camera on the headset, maybe it's not capable of it, but being powered by a PC kind of feels like if you bought a Rift S, you're kind of missing out right now. You're kind of like, you probably sat there at home, super excited about this keynote. Like, I'm gonna see all these games. I've, I've bought a Rift S recently. Can't wait to see what all this new stuff is coming. And then you're like, everything was Quest. It's like, oh, oh, maybe, maybe I, I didn't, buy the right headset this year. The, the weird thing is that like, they haven't mentioned anything about finger tracking for the Rift S at all. They haven't said that it's not coming. They haven't said that it's coming. So we're kind of like a little bit left in the blue by like, what is what is really gonna happen now with this like Rift S? Like, you know, is there gonna be finger tracking for that? Is it technically, technologically not possible? We, we just plain simply don't know. I mean, this, this kind of finger tracking technology has been around for like five years. It's not a, amazing thing i was talking to a bunch yeah. of dudes who are more technically adept than i am and they were like this is honestly something that's you know it's it, it's not that technically impressive it's nice to have it it's the right way forward yeah. general general but consensus time, but 
at the why, same why yeah that's getting not yeah. mentioned but at, the, at the same time like I, what i do find technologically impressive is like you have to think about it this this is like a, a moving camera a moving camera that is tracking two moving objects in a in a in a, in a, in a, in a, in a varying scene yeah? and it's all being done on a mobile processor in real time i mean i do find that impressive that they managed to, to do that on on the oculus quest but i do want to see it on the oculus with that as well Exactly, and like out of all of us, you're the only one that tried it, right? I think. Did I? Yeah. yeah oh, so did, I did. Yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah. So okay, let me then you must let me then tell you. Yes, sure. No. So, um, of course, I play a lot with the Leap Motion. I would say it wasn't better than Leap Motion. I know we're getting into this vague territory again. What that means, I don't know. If you tried Leap Motion, then it's like sometimes I was losing my hands, and then I had to like you really need to hold them up front and kind of point your head into the right direction to yeah. to make it happen specific um, angle I also it was also a little bit delayed so there were like All like right. it was there was latency not, in there yeah there was there was and also when you were walking because you could also physically walk and you could like kind of feel your hands kind of falling behind yeah. like a in stutter a yeah. like, a, like a stutter that you were having as you were walking oh, right okay. exactly okay. exactly like, and I should also mention that uh, we at home have a Vive Focus and I did try the hand tracking on that yeah. And it's way better than what they have right now. Yeah. Of course, no one, you know, has a Vive Focus because it's nowhere to. Um, but I don't know. It's it's nice, but I think most people were underwhelmed when on their first attempt at it. And I'll, I'll I'll like to experience it myself. But just like what we saw with the with the launch of the Rift S and the Quest's tracking, the nice thing about it not being a hardware problem is that actually the software can be upgraded and tweaked and tuned over time, which is which we're seeing happen not only in games and, and that, but also these applications and the camera tracking. And, you know, this is just another one of the piece of those packages. But what they're being able to do with a phone, essentially, yeah. you know, is cool. Like, I mean, this is awesome. I mean, I do have to say that from the keynote when they're when they're basically showing here's, you know, two years ago, you need all these bits. There were about eight bits on the table and they took all that away and all that was left was a quest with a little branding that said soon. And I think that that is truly the dream. You know, you just want to pick that up because honestly, you know, if it's your grandma or whatever and you hand her a headset, you really don't want to have to strap her into the controls. You know what I mean? That's, that's the thing. Like, it makes it easier. Like, a lot of people don't know how controllers work. They constantly press the wrong buttons. So it's definitely uh, a step into the right direction. Um, but uh, it's just that right now they showed this video at the keynote. I'm sure we're showing it here on the podcast too now. That's not what it's like. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. It's, it's, of yeah. course, they always make these, fa these fancy trailers with everything, yeah. but that's not how smooth it is. That's not how, I just wanna, like, it's, it's let's say a year or two away before this is actually, you know, and it's, it's not, and I also don't feel like it's for everyone. It's not like we're gonna see hand tracking take over completely, yeah. but it's a nice add-on for sure. And it will make it easier for some people yeah. to access a VR. It's like a, a logical step, right? In the right direction. It does also highlight, you know, the, the emphasis that like Facebook is putting on the Quest and like a little bit taking it away from like the shine of the of the Rift S. Since I mean the majority that we've seen on the previous keynote and on this keynote has been Oculus Quest, of course. Like last time it made sense because it was you know the launch, the new launch platform for for uh, for Oculus. But now it's also like you see it in the booths, you see it in like everything that's been shown with the other stuff that they announced as well. The main focus is still here. The Oculus Quest, see, right? But I don't see. I don't feel the same laser focus I've seen in past Oculus Connects, where you're like clear on the message and the platform. Here, it's a bit like 
Okay, so we're shunting the Rift S a little bit. I mean, I'm, I like the Rift S. It's still my daily driver. But at the same time, you know, th th they left that until like three quarters of the way through the presentation where they're like, oh, you're getting these two games and everyone here gets them for free. Feels like a little bit of a pat on the back and it's like, be happy and go away. Um, but like the, 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 the confusing message that I, I'm, I'm getting from Oculus in general is, okay, Quest is the headset. This is our dream ship. It's selling great. People love it. <laughs> Beat Saber, get on board, you know, like, like and, and there's for good reason, right? And it's selling well for good reason. But it's a bit weird that then on the, the dev story, what I hear a lot along the floor is develop my game for Quest and I can't get it out. I'm getting blocked. And it doesn't seem to be a place for those developers who have either put time already into their title and they're ready to launch, or they've even gone to the door and they've been, you know, fighting with the gatekeepers to kind of get onto the platform. Because it's a, in the end of the day, it, it's, it's a monopoly here that we've got. And who doesn't want that access? And if you're a developer, that's the difference between success and failure in this market. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just quickly to go back to, to sort of um, the finger tracking. I think it, you know it's a free update after all. Like so, you know you can't really complain too much. And I think I think in, in social applications like Alt Space, where I've tried Leap Motion before, and that that was really impressive, like in a social experience, because you know people are, are, are like magically like like hypnotized by your your fingers moving, you know, in VR. So I, I think that's going to be super cool. Like everyone can just touch my head now. Yeah, that's fine. That's exactly we're, we're doing this. Exactly what happens in alt space, by the way. Yeah, if, yeah. You, if you're there moving your fingers like this, people come over and rub your head. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why. The only thing that I'm still missing is that we, we spoke like last podcast about like ultra haptics. It's you don't feel it. Yeah. And I miss yeah, those haptics. Weird, so it's nice, but it's like playing air guitar. That's yeah. what it is. That's also what Michael Aber said in, in the last one. What we actually really need is like a tactile feedback glove. Uh, that, that's the real future of VR, that you put a glove on and you get that feedback into your fingers. How are they going to do that? Of course, nobody knows yet, but there's a lot of companies that are working on something like that. So yeah. is, is that also going to be free? Definitely, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Because, I mean, in the end, like, Hand-tracking is basically like like air in a way, so that's why it's free. Well, quick vote, quick vote here, lads. So, like, we're all we're all gamers, right? We all play games seriously and take them seriously. Is a finger tracking solution ever going to give you the same kind of vibe that you want for gaming? You know what I mean? Like, experiential stuff. Yeah, I can see it, but. Good point. Because I, I met up, I, I met with the uh, Beat Saber devs last night, and I said about the finger tracking. I said, "Oh, so when are we going to get Beat Saber? Uh, you know, finger tracking like like this?" And he said, "Like, unfortunately, it's just not good enough. Like, the latency isn't good enough for playing a game. Like, if you want to do small movements, like yeah, okay, thumbs up, give someone the finger. But as soon as you start occluding the other hand, it causes problems. So slow, controlled movements with your hands are fine, but fast, rapid movements, it's just not going to work. So I, I would say." Again, like social applications, probably where this is going to shine. You know, we know from Facebook that they announced Facebook Horizons, which we'll touch on later on. So I'm, I'm sure that that'll be like a, a, a big feature of that platform. Um, so but it's, it sounds like it's it's also like right now, it's not consumer ready yet. It's it's kind of like they're showing it off. It's yeah. cool too. Like you you can be a test monkey in the end with their free update. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like social experiences mostly. Yeah. Even with Leap Motion, like Leap Motion has been around for so long. Yeah. Um, and they they did make some demos. Some developers did. Yeah. But you've never seen a big push. And this is the point. No no finger tracking technology is consumer ready right now. So I guess by doing this update, they kind of making it consumer ready. And you, know? you don't want to turn it into connect experiences either, like what Xbox did. No, like you kind of want to blend it in, but in, not in an arcadey way. You don't want to have like Nintendo Wii kind of like things happening. Yeah, and, and one thing I should highlight before we move on uh, to Zim is, um, 
is that the reason why you're the only one that's tried this at this event is just purely because we haven't had access to it. Um, you know, it is busy here on the show floor. And if you want to try something like this, you've got to wait like an hour to three hours. And, and we've been fully stacked with appointments here. So it's just, it's just not an opportunity to try it, unfortunately. The, the thing is, like when we were like, we were sitting outside here, just when the, the floor opened, people were like, like, fighting almost to like be the first to get in there like i saw i saw someone fell while he was like running towards like the the show floor in order to be like one of the first in the line so they didn't have to wait for like three hours but in order to try this they actually locked the lines within 20 minutes of the shore floor opening today to say we may not have enough time and that there's a few factors of that right i mean like medal of honor for instance is showing and it's got a 30 hour 30 sorry, 30 30 hours 30 jesus 30 hours <laughs> i was to the field and now i'm home <laughs> <laughs> 30 minute demo, but like that length demo, honestly, like from a show floor policy, I kind of feel like that shouldn't be allowed. Like 15 minutes anyway is a lot, but like 30 minutes, who needs 30 minutes? Well, they need a lot of boots to do that. If you have a lot of boots and yeah. you can and, do and that. This but. is the thing we're seeing with the show floor design this time. I don't understand. You know your attendee count. Why are there so few pods? Is it the fact that they had to ship equipment here and they decided to scale back on costs yeah. for shipping? Cause that could be it. That yeah. could be a factor. This is not their convention hall they have to ship stuff you know over the ground um but i'm really surprised because usually what we see is day one kind of press floats in they're around for about two hours after the keynote and then they all feck off and then you know everyone else is kind of left with you know pretty decent cues nothing more than an hour yeah. and then this year there seems to be this kind of combination of, of factors where it's like fewer pods and longer cues and it's a general problem like everyone across the groups that I've been speaking with have been having the same issue. And most people have said, oh, I'll wait for day two. And now, 20 minutes after the keynote, oh, sorry, lines are closed. And I should also mention that, that the batches we have, we're not press here. So we're streamers, but at this event, streamer doesn't mean anything. So you could walk up to the press booth and say like, listen, can I try hand tracking this or can I? Because there are certain, let's say, websites, media outlets that get early access, maybe even before Oculus Connect start, or right now they have an appointment That's and they true. can just try it. They don't have to stand in line. But for us, it's like, we, we, we it's don't, a yeah. it's, it's a bit harder. And, and something we should, we should mention, and we have to mention uh, by Laura as well, is the fact that Oculus sponsored us to be here, right? Yeah. You know, they, they paid for our flights, they paid for our accommodation. Um, and obviously our job here at the show floor is to deliver, you know, our hands-on experiences with these new uh, technology and games to you guys and girls, our audience. But um, we don't have the opportunity to do that. So it's a very strange thing from Oculus, but it is what it is. But that's the situation we're in. But thankfully, I think amongst the four of us, we've tried the majority of the, the big pillars uh, of, the, of the event. So at least one of us can each talk about something that we tried uh, and, and give that perspective. You know? I can tell you, I was actually standing in line to talk about it at the podcast. Like we were communicating together. It's like, okay, did you try this? Okay, yeah. I tried that. So kind of balance it out. So everyone has to stand in a certain line, but kind of, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's just sad that we, none of us has tried Medal of Honor. No, I, uh, I wanted to, but there's not much time. And as you said, the, the, the queues are long. I would really like to do that. But three hours, like it's eating up a lot of your time and there's so much else going on. And I, I, I think it's actually gonna be not tenable for a lot of this. So, I mean, I think even after this, it'll make sense to divide and conquer uh, between us. Um, but Mike, like you were saying, I mean, in terms of uh, just to move on to what the what we liked, what was our highlight, I think I'll just mention it actually, I mean, I played with Terial uh, Stormland multiplayer, which is, which, is, which is actually quite a bit of fun. Um, I think uh, you guys got to play it together as well. So. It's probably worthwhile mentioning. 
compared to the original Stormland demo, it's kind of the same kind of setting. You're like flying over clouds, and that feels totally badass, like you're totally supermaning across the across the land. The enemies, there are some pretty badass like robots that are coming at you, and they are they are a bit daunting. You are taking damage. I had did die a few times. Uh, you know, I'm pretty good at FPSs, so I'd say that it's not easy street. Um, and then you kind of revive at a save or checkpoint, and then you are back at it, grabbing weapons again. Your weapons do run out of ammo. The thing I thought that was uh, didn't work so well is you like try to like pick a weapon up. It's great that you got the extensibility of that weapon, so it turns from like a pistol into like a machine gun. But you can also accidentally, and I did this several times, rip your gun in half, and you're like, oh no, I just broke another one. And then you pick that one up, you break that in half, and you're like, what am I doing? And then some of the levers and stuff don't work so well, but the multiplayer is really solid. But, this is the big but, there doesn't seem to be any um, thing that requires like two operators or more, right? And so like, a, there's this pod thing, I think, I forgot what they were called, keys or something like that, and you find them. And I thought it would have been perfect game design if it's a two-player match, Activate two handles, get both people to turn one at the same, same time. time. Yeah. That would have been awesome. And then you also, you 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 protect the multiplayer game experience because you're saying, if Mike likes to go a bit faster than Nathan, he's running forward, he's got to slow his ass down and wait for Nathan to catch up. Because we've all got friends who try to soldier through games ahead of us and it's like, come on, you know, let me keep pace with you. The thing is like, yeah, we played it as well. and. Where it goes wrong straight away is like when Mike and I play a multiplayer, we usually try to high five first of all. Yeah. And my hand goes straight through Mike's hand. Yeah. And that's where it just like straight away like, hmm, okay, so what's the rest going to be? Yeah. But in the end, I could have, you know, of course it's fun to chit chat with Mike, but I could have also played a single player. It's not like I really needed Mike to yeah, play. Yeah, you're right. It's the same demo essentially. So you can play it single player or cooperatively, but Zim makes a really valid point in that there's no real uh, cooperative, you know, unique uh, missions or, or objectives that you have to play cooperatively to get the best experience out of, which is a missed opportunity, I totally agree. But it's kind of funny because we, we did play it co-op and we were having fun with it and, you know, shooting stuff. And we did have some issues with the map as well, like, and, and, and HUD was like there and then it wasn't and it was kind of tricky. Uh, but we were getting into it, we we're having some fun and then we were decided to have a race up a, a building. Oh, that's so good. And, 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 and that, you know, we were making it like competitive amongst the two of us. And then Nathan got stuck in the building and it broke the demo. <laughs> so we, 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 were, we were like, we can't progress. If we, we, did, we had an allotted time slot, so, yeah, so we, that was it. So that was it, it was, it was done. We, you, the climbing, I have to say, the climbing is done really well. It's like sprint vector style and that you can grab and kind of throw yourself up a bit. Yeah. But it's got this weird like concentric circle that points like, where am I going to grab? and you do the grabs on pretty much any surface you want for vertical ascension. Did you guys find the lava underneath the world? No. There's like this there's like this beautiful like Minecraft style lava pit yeah. underground and you can go down there and there's chests of guns and stuff. But like I, I, the visual lighting effects there were really nice. So uh, for anyone who does get a chance to try the demo out, yeah. I don't know if that's going to be launched publicly, but if you obviously if you if you attended here, you get a free copy of uh, Asgard's Wrath and a free copy of Stormland. Yeah. One thing I just want to highlight as well is that it doesn't, I don't know if it felt to you, but like we, we tried a, a Stormland demo this time last year, right? At OC5. Uh, so, uh, and, and, and really, for me, the game hasn't changed dramatically since then. Um, you know, like I think it, it did have an upgrade in, in visuals slightly in some of the, like the more darker levels, which we saw at Boston. Um, but certainly like gameplay mechanics are still intact. So they've obviously been polishing it and I appreciate that. 
But it's just like, let's get this game out already because like Rift owners have been waiting for like this game forever, it seems. I mean, there's some, there's some really nice bits about it. Like the grenade system is freaking badass. You knock a grenade, you chuck it off and it blows stuff to pieces, which is what you want from a grenade. Um, but in terms of the Stormland, the thing I don't understand, it seems like Oculus Studios doesn't like plural. You know, we got Stormland, not Stormlands. We've got Horizon, not Horizons, which you said earlier, Mike. I gotta correct you there. But like, what is it? Are they against plurals? Like, it's just easier. <laughs> There's gotta be Stormlands and Horizons. And for some reason, it's more dramatic. I'm still totally hyped for Stormland, you know, of course, I'm still looking forward to it. I, I think it is going to be a great game. I think, you know, we're, we're fortunate enough to have played it a year ago and again now. So it's kind of like, it feels like it's an older game than it actually is because it isn't even out yet. Um, but I'm, yeah, I'm very excited for the Stormland and, and playing it co-op was fun. So I am looking forward to doing that more when it releases. It's a lot like Ubisoft's, Ubisoft's title. What was the FPS that I'm Space thinking? Space Junkies. It's a lot like Space Junkies in that you don't see a huge amount of progress. I think the enemies, some of the HUD elements, like you said, have progressed. But otherwise, I just hope they don't fall into that trap. Obviously, they're not but going to because we got a release date. At, at the same time, it does it does make a little, little a lot of sense that like the last year before they release, they're not going to be like changing like intricate game details or like you know like graphical representation. It's more like I think I would say like polishing up and trying to like get like some some stuff properly working instead of like introducing new things, yeah. right? We should, we should highlight that the game is coming out uh, on uh, November the 14th. And like you say, if, if you were here, you get the game for free, which is kind of nice. What's the, uh, do you know, is the max player count four? Or is it only co-op? Two. Two? Yeah. Ah, okay, so then I'm really interested, like, if you, if you're, if we're progressing the campaign together, yeah. and you decide, okay, oh, no, no. Zim's not no. around. No, correct. Um, correction. I think it is four, actually. I think yeah. it is four. Because they were talking about raids last year, which got me excited. So I think it was multiple players. Yeah. Uh, but I have to I have to confirm that because I'm not 100% on it. But that, that, that how do you deal with progression isn't something we've seen answered so far yeah. and can actually make or break a multiplayer game. Because yeah. if, if we're progressing together, right, and then I want to play with someone else, we like From Other Sons does it pretty well where you've got a save file that's on the host. And if the host wants to progress, invite the friends around and keep keep going, right? And that kind of system I'd like to see in this game. It's 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 like a looter shooter, <laughs> but there is no progression in that. It's well, like Borderlands, but uh, there's no level up system in there. And it, you could say, yeah, it's a demo. But on the other side, we're talking about November. That's almost around the corner. So what we're playing here, it's pretty yeah, close to, you yeah. know what I mean? Although the character progression, uh, there is some in that you can like physically take off your arm and upgrade it, which is a really cool mechanic, by the way, um, which we saw last year, but we haven't seen any of that this year. But I think there is level progression and also weapon progression as well in terms of like different levels of weapons. So yeah, but yeah, Stormland, I think it's going to be a great game. Still looking forward to it. But um, yeah, so that, that's that. So maybe we should move on to Rowdy then, because I'm excited about this one. I know, I know what your highlight is already. So, uh, one more thing, because I know they mentioned like pre-order the game. I would just wait, wait out the reviews, then decide if you want to buy it. Because pre-ordering means you buy some, but you don't know if it's good or not. Even that we played this demo, we don't know what the full experience is going to be like. So Asgard's Wrath, $40. This is also a $40 title? Yeah, I would imagine so. I think it is going to be, yeah. Okay. So Rowdy, what did you play? I got to try out, I mean, I didn't get to try out anything on the show floor, but just because the queues were too long. Uh, but I did get to try a Pistol Whip. You bastard. I know, right? I know, right? I, I just, I just ran into Danny and I was like, "I love your T-shirt. I want to play it." And he was like, "You can play it." And I was like, "Yes!" I mean, what I tried was a prototype. It's like a, an early demo kind of thing that they were showing. None of it is, is officially confirmed in the game, but holy hack! 
it's the best thing that I've tried in like, well, maybe ever. Like, it's absolutely amazing. Like the, like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't really categorize it as a, as a, as a rhythm game per se. I would categorize it as like a, like a pistol game, which has like rhythm added to it. It's like, like super hot and like uh, 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 Beat Saber had a baby, but the real father is like John Wick. You know, like it's like it's like so, something in between there. Like you feel like a total badass when you're playing that game. It's it's unbelievable. And what I really liked was the way that they put music in there. It's like if you want it to be a rhythm game, it can be a rhythm game. But if you say like, you know, like I don't really care about the rhythm that much, you could just play it as a general or, shooter. Or you suck at like beat rhythm detection because yeah, exactly. some people yeah. are just not good yeah. at that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. You can just play it as a regular shooter. I'm so puzzled though. Like you're a you're a, like a loner story like guy like why why is this pressing your buttons yeah that's the thing like because I, I find it strange as well because i'm always the guy like says like oh, i like storyline i like storyline <laughs> but at the same time this just made perfect sense and it only makes sense again in virtual reality it's one of those games that you know like like beat saber does well i love beat saber like beat saber is great but i would never play it on a 2d screen i never never will play it this is the thing, like, uh, so as soon as Rowdy told me he got to play it, I was super jealous. And I was like, I hunted out the uh, the Cloudhead Games team. I was like, I really want to play the demo. They were like, sure, give me a demo on like on the hallway. And and yeah, like it instantly became my favorite experience of the show. And do you know when you play a game and you just know, like it's got that sort of like hook where you want to play again and want to play again and want to play again, just like Beat Saber originally did. Um, and obviously like Super Hot is one of my favorite games. So this is like say a combination of the best of Beat Saber and the best of like Super Hot. And I was just like, you're onto a hit here. Like this is gonna be a winning game. Um, so yeah, I would say that the Pistol Whipped, definitely want to keep an eye out for. Um, whip, Pistol Whip, there's no whips. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Uh, but it's kind of like, um, you know, it, it's got like that physicality to it as well. Like because you're constantly like uh, ducking down on, on your, uh, like squatting down. So you're going to be having a workout as well. Like I was like sweating like so much on normal mode. Um, and he was saying, you know, cause it's got like uh, auto uh, detection. So if you're shooting roughly in the direction of an enemy, uh, it will register, but there's like a hardcore mode where you can turn all that aim assist off and it's actually like your skills. And like Rowdy mentioned, it's like you feel like John Wick, you know, because the music is pumping. You're moving through like maybe a nightclub. You're like dodging bullets, like super hot style. And then like, doing like a side shoot and then like shooting a guy on a balcony. There's all the like verticality going on as well. Yeah, it's, it's great. And, and the crazy thing, and I have to highlight this, like the way that they integrated music in this game is just, it's just plain brilliant. You know with Beat Saber when you're playing it and you, you know, the blocks when you smash them, it becomes like part of the track, you know, like, doof, doof. they have something like that as well, but they went like a step beyond that. So it's not only when you shoot with your pistols, it's also when the guys like shoot at you. So if you shoot them before they shoot you, you don't get that effect. But if they shoot you, yeah, you, you get that, that bullet effect there as well. And then the bullet that comes in your direction, yeah, it also has a sound effect to it. So when you're like, when you're like dodging it, it goes like, Whoa. and then it's integrated into the music track as well. So it's really cool when you get people to actually shoot at you because you get a, Wow! Like you get like a like a music a style going, yeah, and it's yeah, not always it, the exact same. Exactly. I was curious about the music track. This is you guys heard. This is a custom track. Like this is not a music I, that you recognized. I I didn't recognize it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's custom or not. I I would assume that it's custom, but it was bang on. Like, that, like let's let's assume for a moment you guys are both spot on. I'm sure you are, and I will have to track them down and play this. But 
in terms of the music behind it, right? Like Beat Saber, right? It originally launched 10 tracks and people are like, yay. And then three months into like, less yay, I want my music in there. Do you foresee that being possible or by because of the way it's stitched together that you mentioned, it's only going to be the curated tracks that they decide to launch? Yeah, like for me personally, I, I think the community will definitely want it without doubt. Uh, like, you know, custom tracks. But I think these are going to be harder to map out than just like a Beat Saber track. But I'm sure the community being the community, they're going to find a way uh, because they always will. But I, I can foresee it that, that just like Beat Saber, you know, setting the precedent here that they're going to be securing like legit like tracks from, you know, artists in the future for this game. Uh, it makes total sense. Um, but yeah, like it's just one of the it's just one of those games, it, you know, that you, you can't put down uh, until your legs just ache so much that you can't physically play. But I should also mention that it's coming out on the 7th of November yeah. uh, on Steam VR, Oculus and Quest as well. It's, like it's, it's I played it as well. It, it's like a Temple Runner. Yeah. In a way, because the, you stand still and then the map just moves in front yeah. of you and you you really need to use your space too. Like there's so many games uh, that are just standing experiences and you have to use the thumbstick to like move. We get real lazy nowadays and the developers also give us the tools to do that. <laughs> if they force you to move in your physical space, then you would do it more. Yeah. Uh, and with this one, it's like you really need to step aside or go forward or backwards or lean down, things like that. And that's what I like. I want to see more room scale because this title is coming out on almost every platform. It's not only Quest. In case of Quest, oh, I'm like, finally, I can really have a, a bigger space and then move around in that instead of always having to just, you know, walk around myself. And the thing is, it looks so cool as well, because every time that they were demoing demo it in a different location, you immediately had like 10, 20 people that would like gather around. I was like, what's what's going on over there? Like, what, what, are, what are they playing? Like, that looks pretty awesome. Like, but, and it's also worth mentioning, we only played it with one controller. <laughs> Like we had one controller and you instinctively were cupping your other hand like this, straight out, like. Um, says, says the cup, the yeah. ex-cup. <laughs> yeah, my previous John Wick training came in, in handy there. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this one. It's worth mentioning as well that they've got uh, live support already for PC. So um, I think this is gonna be the next big game that VR streamers like, you know, uh, Cutie Pop that we met here at, at the show floor, Rage Sack, that predominantly play like mixed reality Beat Saber content. As soon as the 7th of November hits, they're gonna be playing this game. And uh, yeah, I think you guys are gonna love this one. So one thing I want to mention um, is just like, this game seems badass. It obviously uses your physical space and you're ducking and dodging, weaving. I hope if not at launch, they consider accessibility for people who can't, don't have that freedom of movement. Mm -hmm. I say it because these games, again, like a Beat Saber, are epic cornerstones of the experience. And I hope that element of the community also get to enjoy this yeah. one. Yeah, it's a really, really good point. A really good point. So yeah, definitely um, keep your eye on Pistol Whip coming on the 7th of November. So uh, as that was my favorite of the show, I do want to highlight another game um, to sort of talk about something I played uh, because it was my highlight yesterday. So until I played Pistol Whip, it was my favorite game of the show. And that was uh, Pixel Ripped 1999. Oh. Um, so this is 1995, sorry. That's the third one. Oh, 1995, yeah. So this is from uh, Avery, obviously the sequel to Pixel Rip 1989. Yeah, got it right that time. Um, and it, it's just, it's got the same lovely charm like the original game has, taking you straight back to your childhood gaming days. But now in HD. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the demo we played uh, basically was like Castlevania sort of themed demo, which I was really digging, like down to the music and the art style. And basically you're a child in your bedroom uh, playing on your console, this Castlevania game. And your mum's like, 
comes in and she says like it's time for bed now you know it's too late you need to turn the game off you need to go to sleep you know you got a big day tomorrow or whatever and you're like oh crap i just want to finish my game you know like you know i haven't saved it or whatever i haven't got to set a checkpoint so she leaves you and she trusts you to to turn it off and then you like turn the tv back on and you're like playing again <laughs> and the, the funny thing is like when you walk over like wooden objects in the, the castlevania game uh it makes the creaking noise that your mum then hears and she wakes up and she's like is he playing the game again <laughs> so she, she comes and like she can hear her footsteps and then you got to turn the tv off again and just wait until she goes back to bed and you can hear her snoring awesome. so just like the original game it's like a game within a game it's a great concept it's a fantastic concept. It's a fantastic concept. And, and all I said to the, the devs was like, just turning the TV off alone maybe wasn't as satisfying as maybe also turning the TV off and grabbing the covers. Because as a kid, you would do that, wouldn't you? You'd like grab the covers and then pretend you were asleep. <laughs> and then when they go, you're like, okay, turn it back on again. So I, I just said, you know, if I was going to improve anything, that's the only thing I would add. But I just thought it was a, a really charming and lovely nostalgia experience. It's, it's funny that you say that, Mike, because I did that inherently when I was playing the game. I would close my eyes. Actually, I didn't have to, but I did. I closed my eyes and do that, like pretending I was asleep with the TV remote in my hand, ready to turn it back on again. And the one thing that I thought was, um, like the lights would go on in the hall, so you knew mom was up. And I said, it would be great if you could cast a shadow so that she wasn't maybe looking at you, but like you knew she was standing in the doorway, like just about to come in. Uh, that would have been really cool. But I have to say, they kept the difficulty, which I liked. So it wasn't like, it's not an easy game, especially the end boss. I was like, I died probably four times before clearing him. But it was like, it was really satisfying. They really do this blend of taking, like, it's like a canvas. You have an art, art, artistic person, they've got a canvas. And they're like, they use the little spot in the middle. And then when they want to flare, they flare into like the three to third dimension. Or they, they so, so you, you get trained into... I'm just playing this TV, you focus on that, the, the background all disappears, and before you know it, boom, you're back into this, like, and they, and they play with that so much, this back and forth between full VR and the kind of box center game. You got a chance to play it as well. You, you played yeah. it on Quest. I did, yeah, I did play it on Quest, and, and it looks amazing. Uh, and, and it's not just, you know, it's not always this, this, this pixelated world you're in, you're something also in the real world, and it all looked great. And what I what I thought was awesome, just, just a little, you know, uh, like, flare thing was that when I was playing in my little bathroom and it was raining outside uh, like sometimes the the thunder was kicking in the lightning yeah. and then I was like uh, reflecting on the screen so I could barely see so I could actually make a mistake at that moment yeah. um, ah. and and that's just great where it feels like like the first game felt like still like something I would play on oculus share it did feel like like a, a good game for consumers but you could also see that it was Indeed. Well, not outdated, but yeah, yeah. this one feels way more, yeah, future-proof in a way, exactly. Yeah. So, no, it's it's amazing, and, and uh, they deserve all the love. They, you know, it's it's awesome. I, I even had a 4D experience. I was there in the game, you know, playing away, all that, enjoying myself, and then I take the headset off, and boom! Nathan and David are there, like, standing next to me. I was like, shit, because they had the volume of the headphones really high up. I had no idea. That was, that was a bit odd. My brain took a leap there. I was like, whoa, how'd you all of a sudden materialize? That was good programming. Yeah. And it's worth mentioning that the devs are obviously trying to port the original Pixel Ripped uh, over to Quest as well, if you never got to play it on Quest. Uh, but this game, the new game, 1995, was developed uh, with, with Quest and Rift at the same time. Um, so, and they're also eventually going to come to PSVR as well. Um, but yeah, definitely one to keep an eye on is, uh, is Pixel Rip 1995. Um, so let's talk about some of the stuff from the keynote then. And, and one of the, 
Obviously, we talked about finger tracking, which was a, an important part of the keynote. Again, a lot of the keynote was Quest-centric, which we've mentioned on earlier. You know, not much love for the Rift owners out there, unfortunately. But uh, let's talk about Oculus Link, because it kind of like ties in nicely. So Oculus Link uh, is uh, a functionality that's going to be added to Quest, so you can basically tether your Quest to a PC. And it was one of our predictions on our show last week. And surprisingly, actually, like, Bearing in mind, we normally get a lot of the predictions wrong. We got quite a, a few of these right, uh, particularly around software sales, uh, the tethering, and also around Medal of Honor being a, a World War game. AR as well. AR as well. Um, so yeah, so this this uh, uh, Oculus Link, it will basically allow you to uh, connect your, your Quest uh, to your PC using the cable that comes in the box, which is USB-C on both ends. So you'll just have to bear that in mind if you don't have a USB-C connection on your PC. Uh, and then Oculus stated that if you don't have that, then they're going to be selling an additional cable later on down the line. A USB-C connection on your PC. Yeah, that's that's yeah, yeah, okay. So, yeah, because you can't, I don't think you, you can take a USB-C to USB-2 jack for it because the compression algorithm requires a certain bandwidth, right. which only USB-C allows. It's a particular type of USB-C yeah, it's exactly. not just any USB-C, it's uh, one that delivers the right output. Yeah. Also, USB-C is quite rare, like most yeah. like high-end motherboards have USB-C, yeah. um, but just the, let's say the, the standard ones don't, so... Yeah, exactly. So they're going to be releasing a, a, a separate cable that you can buy if you don't have a USB-C connection on your PC. Um, but that kind of gets around like this whole Wi-Fi streaming business that we like mentioned on last week's show, you know, because uh, you, you can do that via SideQuest with, with SteamVR. Uh, so this is their solution, and I think it's great that we've got this solution. I think it was a hole in the market that they thought, uh, you know, this is a, a gap here. And I, I'm, I'm convinced that this was ready from day one when Quest launched. But they were like, if we launch this with a Quest, we're literally going to sell zero Rift S. So um, it is, it, they must have held this one in the bag and waited for later for this one. Yeah, because that's, that's what we spoke about last week where, you know, I said like, but if they blur the lines between Rift S and yeah. Quest, it, there is no like there will be less reasons to still get this PC VR headset and it's clear from the keynote in general that Facebook believes in standalone they have seen the numbers they're like wow this is the way forward like let's say yesterday PC VR died a little bit and it kind of went a step back instead of forward it feels like standalone is you know taking over right now I, I do agree with that but I, I find it like a, maybe like a, a little step too far to say that like PC VR has died a little bit because I mean I went to the Karma keynote as well and he talked about like compression and like you know how it works for the Oculus Link let's let's make this very clear that the highest fidelity you will still get on the Oculus Rift S it's still a compressed signal that is sent, being sent to the Oculus Quest that's not to be forgotten. Also, they're resampling everything that is getting sent to the uh, to the, the Oculus Quest, and I, I believe that even that there's a, a frame skipped. Uh, I'm not entirely sure about that how how it works exactly in order to get, but in, to, in order to get that, I mean, it still needs to run on, on on the Oculus Quest, so they they need to resample it in a certain way in order to get it. So so the highest fidelity will, and I will believe that will always be will be the Oculus Rift S. Yeah. And it's worth mentioning, you know, that this is going to be coming out uh, early next year, again, as a free update. But of course, if you don't have that USB-C, uh, you'll need to buy the additional cable. But of course, we need to highlight the fact that you'll still need a VR-capable PC to run this. And I think if you've got a VR-capable PC, then, you know, your chances are you may already have like an original Rift, for example. And, and from my side of this, I mean, I think that the because of how they're working, the compression, getting it through the cable, decompressing on the headset, you know, to me, Having a tethered headset sucks. Like I don't want a cable if I'm on the Quest. And my choice would be still 
if they don't come down on it some other way is SideQuested Virtual Desktop. Now it doesn't work very well. I've, you know, out of, out of my kind of friend circle in VR, it seems that ISPs, the routers that they ship, aren't very solid here in the US. So for a US market, that cable's gonna be a godsend because you're gonna get a, finally a chance to experience well. the kind of compressed, uh, you know, tetherless kind of Steam VR integration or uh, Oculus Home integration that you really want with a cable that's, I don't even seen the price. It's, like, it's rumored at $80 it is, is, is the price. So that's is, not yeah. cheap as no, a bolt-on. That's no. like a, I need to save up my lunch money and buy this cable. Yeah. Until like the Chinese people find out and then they sell their own cables and you can just buy some for, for like 10 bucks. Amazon basics. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, like, I mean, it's important to say like, currently, like, you probably can get a better result using indeed five gigahertz Wi-Fi. So good. But, but, and that's, but the problem is not everyone has that. Yeah. And Facebook is all about mass adoption. They want the Oculus Quest to be for everyone and everyone can plug a cable into their PC. I'm not saying everyone has a USB-C connection because that's something they need to get around, but they're probably like with the, with the cable that you just mentioned, you need to get that. But like five gigahertz Wi-Fi is still like, you know, not for everyone. Like not everyone has that. Yeah. But just think about this cable. People are going to be like, oh, Stormland, Asgard's Wrath, Lone Echo 2. They're gonna be sitting there for three months going, give me the fucking cable. I need the cable, you know what I mean? Like Quest owners with, with a PC that's yeah. capable, but not quite enough to run it and not if they don't have Rift S, so. But going back to like, I, I've been scrolling through Reddit a little bit. That's sometimes a good idea, sometimes a bad idea, you know? You know? <laughs> but hey, um, but, but somewhere like, you know, I just bought my Rift S, let's say two months ago, can't return it anymore because you know, 30 days. And now this comes out. It's like, some people feel like they got, you know, tricked in buying this and it almost feels like the Rift S was some kind of face. It always felt like a funky headset in the whole lineup, but this this makes it only worse. And as you said, they they waited with the cable so they could sell Rift S. But like because of this cable getting announced and you can say like, yes, yeah, some people like high fidelity, but there are enough people that don't care about that. They're not fanatics in, in that sense. Um, but it makes the Rift S less relevant now. Yeah. It makes it less interesting, a lot less interesting. I, I totally agree. And we know from day one that Rift owners have kind of been screwed over a bit. You know, like Quest had Vader Immortal, Rift S owners were like, I just bought a Rift S, when am I gonna get to play it? Didn't come till like a month later. Now this with the tethering with the with, with uh, the Quest and the finger tracking, I think you're kind of thinking, oh, this is kind of sucks. So I, I do feel bad for them. Although like like Zim mentioned, you know, it is still one of my daily driver headsets. I do still enjoy using it. And I would probably like, I, I would prefer to use the Rift S over the Quest tethering solution. Yeah. I, I'm glad that it exists. And I think it is a bit of a kick in the nuts for people that bought a Rift S, but ultimately it's still a great headset. One, one thing I must say, right? At this point, I can remember us a year ago being like, oh, we don't have the perfect headset. We want the various bits kind of bolted together. I was kind of more happy, I think, with the CV-1 as a holistic package than I am with my Rift S, the, the touch controls, and then the wireless of the Quest. Because ideally, I'd be like, index headset, because their audio is amazing, you know, and the panel's pretty good. And then I'd couple that with touch controllers and uh, cut the cable. You know, Mike showed us how to do that. Yeah. It's, but I, I, I totally agree. Like for the VR enthusiast, it's, it's um, you know, you want to have more than one headset. But for regular consumer, I think now they are want to jump into VR for the first time. There, there's even more reason to buy a Quest, and this will kind of decrease the Rift S sales even more. Yeah. No, exactly. So, so that is like Oculus Link. Oh, sorry. But on the positive side, though, here we go. Here it comes. Wait for it. People are constantly asking, 
hey, why can't I play this this PC game on my Quest? That's not going to be a problem anymore. For, for, so for developers, they can they can sell more. Maybe even parting over things is going to be, yeah, you know? Yeah. Like, I wonder how it's going to be for like porting titles. Like, because a lot of people have invested time, money, and resources in order to port a title over to the Quest. But maybe now they say like, why should we port it over if people can already play it on the Quest just by using a cable? And, and we've talked about two of three headsets that they have. And I have to laugh. I went to Best Buy here. The brick and mortar shop in the States is big for electronics. You go there, you can buy pretty much any of the popular things. I looked at their Oculus cabinet. It, it changed from last year. They've got their three headsets there. But you know when you've got something important, like, I don't know, in the UK we have razor blades for some reason that it says, you know, you have to go and get this from somewhere else or it's got a security tag on it. Well, the Rift S wasn't there. And it says, oh, we got that. Uh, we got that down the back. You got to go get, get help to get it. The Quest wasn't there, but there was a pile that goes right there. So it kind of gave this impression of like, here's the pile of rubbish that nobody wants. Yeah. And if you want the, any of the you know quality headsets, you can go and get them. But I just was, I was laughing at and, that. And that's a really good point, actually. We should mention this because part of the keynote is about uh, Oculus Go emulation coming to Quest. And they said that they're going to port like the top 50 Go games, they're going to bring them to Quest, which is great because, uh, you know, some of those games you just can't play on Quest, you know, like we, we, we met up with the developer, uh, one of the, the PR uh, sort of dev relations for uh, uh, Turtle Rock, yeah. you know, the, and Face Your Fears too is on Quest, but the original Face Your Fears, a lot of people loved that because it was these unique little uh, dioramas that you could put yourself into that were utterly terrifying. So hopefully that will be one of the titles that comes to Quest. But it did get kind of a bit of a simmered response from the audience in the keynote, right? Well, well for me, I, I thought we were going to get full-on Go emulation. Kind of like, this feels a lot like back in the day when the Wii brought over emulation for its its, its earlier titles. And it's like, oh, we're going to drip feed titles that have made the cut or have been re recoded. And that's the thing that I'm surprised at. Um, you know, developers I know, like, you've had... You've, you've had the ability before, developers have had the ability to make their games work with a Quest. So it, it is very much still a gated thing. I was not expecting this to be behind a, uh, you, know, you know, an OK Go signal, you know, and that's what it is. And if they don't bring Narrows over, which is my favorite Go title, I'm going to get very strompy, very angry indeed. Yeah. Like if for me, like it's the same story with Go. It's like they, they just suck all of like the potential of the, the Go into the Quest right now. Yeah. They suck all the PC potential into the Quest right now. Yeah. Like all, all, they use everything that was good about Go and everything was good about Rift S into the Quest. So the Go, like the Go is like, you know, I feel like as you said, like they're everywhere. You, you can buy them almost everywhere. I feel like the, 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 the Go is kind of like <laughs> it, the funeral started or something. It, and it's sad because I, I always said that the Go deserved more momentum for sure. And because Quest, of course, like Quest is like, you know, just a killer headset that the Go will not be able to compete with. But like, you know, the, the headset doesn't have positional tracking, but I don't think that's that bad. And it's still so much going on, but they kind of leave it now. Yeah. They kind of abandoned it. And even at the keynote, people are almost not clapping for the Go anymore. I'm like, what the heck, did everyone forget it came out like? Absolutely. It, was, it wasn't long, it was like a year ago, but I love that Zuckerberg said, like now you have VR, in a shoebox, you know, and that's it. Because like, as someone who's like packing for an international trip, unfortunately now, the Quest gives me with virtual desktop an ability to hook back to my PC at home and play games that you couldn't even imagine being on Quest. And it's like, how can I not bring it? I had to bring a whole suitcase. You guys know I travel light. I never bring a suitcase. I had to bring it just to feckin' bring my Quest along. But I think for, for the Oculus Go, it's even worse now because they actually also announced that Oculus Rooms, which we have been 
extremely positive about, which is a thing that we want to see across all of the headset, that they're not going to continue with that anymore. It's like you stop the service now for yeah. people who yeah. invested into Go. And as you said, it's, a year, it's about a year ago. And it's like you invested into it. And now they kind of, again, screw you over where it's like, oh, you can't be social anymore. There are people who have family exactly. on the other side of the planet and they bought it because of that, that. And now they can't do that anymore. And you're just casual like, okay, you were just going to cancel it. I was like, are you going to replace it with something else? Because, you know, Facebook Horizon is coming. But no, and, and it's, it's yeah. just like, you know, why, why, why is the Go still a thing? Like, I... I feel like if, if you buy a headset, you get at least two years of service or three years of service. But this is like... There's like no know. notice. That's the main problem I have is that the, sh the amount of notice that they're giving in advance of these shutdowns is really short. Or in some cases, it's just a shock announcement. For me, for me, like Oculus Rooms was one of like the killer apps on on Go. Yeah. It, it was it was the most fun social experience you could you could experience on the Go, and 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 the audio fidelity was incredible. I still don't know how they managed to pull that off. Like it was amazing, and and just hanging out in the room playing like Monopoly together uh, or Boggle, you know, it was just so much fun, and and we don't have that anymore anywhere else. Uh, and it was unique to the go, so it's it's really sad. I'm really sad to see it go. Uh, but maybe they just didn't have the uptake or the user base that used it regularly enough. And I, I, I can understand it from their point of view, but it's still a, a big loss, I think, for the VR community that it's gone. I'm going to say, watch eBay carefully. I'm telling you, $50, you can get yourself an Oculus Go. It is a fantastic headset if you want to lie down in bed and watch a TV episode. It is brilliant at that. And again, you can still use virtual desktop to connect back to your PC for actually a really high res. That's how I watched Game of Thrones. I watched Game of Thrones lying down with my Go. It was great. For entertainment, you still want to buy a Go. A Quest is totally overkill. Sometimes yeah. processional tracking is totally overkill. Watching 360s is amazing in the Go. And well, the, the controllers are annoying. Like if you have your Quest controllers, like let's say you're laying down and they keep moving and like let's say you're in bed, right? And they keep moving and they keep popping up and you get the pan. It's like you just want that simple little controller that's not going to be an overreactive little mouse, you know? On the good side, they do still, uh, you know, uh, support the go with like business stuff because for training purposes, it's awesome. Oh. But it's almost like they turned a consumer headset now into a, a, a business headset. Exactly. So you're kind of, you know, yeah. Yeah. it's like, why do I still have one then? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm kind of sad about that yeah. for sure. Yeah. Sad to see that about the Go for sure. So let's talk about games because we mentioned about Go emulation uh, and let's talk about Quest, new Quest games because there was a few new Quest games that were teased at the keynote, one of which completely like blew my mind and that was uh, Stress Level Zero Project 4 which is a spin-off from Boneworks. Yeah. And I was like, what? This is happening? And, and they dropped it with like, no, it was just like, the slide went up yeah. and you're like, hang on a second, that says Stress that Level Zero. <laughs> I've never heard of Project 4. Why isn't why is not everyone clapping? What's going on? No one was like clapping yeah. at that point. And then they mentioned it and they like brought the release out. And we were getting our we're getting our Bone Works universe in quest yeah. on a side project. Yeah. And I, I'm sure, you know, Oculus saw like all the videos of the Boneworks demos going viral and they were like, yeah, we want a piece of this. So yeah. You know, I think it's great that it's coming to the quest because, you know, it's gonna like the 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 world looks like Half-Life, right? You know, we've all said that it's the closest thing we're gonna get to Half-Life VR until Valve actually do it. So and, and again it highlights the potential of the Oculus Touch. Like I still think it's a controller that is underused, like in so many games. Like the only game that I've tried so far that is doing it accurately is the one that's coming from one of the of the Valve Knuckles developers, like Vertigo. You know, Vertigo Vertigo's. 2. The, the way that he, he implemented the touch controls, that's how it should be. And I'm therefore I'm excited that there's another one who's had a lot of experience with the Valve Knuckles. 
that is now also going to do that as well. I want to see the Boneworks trailer, right? With the Gordon Freeman thing. Yeah. And he clasps the three fingers, the one finger, and the one finger. He's like, oh, yeah, the finger tracking is so, so good. I also need to mention, because I played Boneworks, and, and uh, like the, the body uh, Brandon and his team created is super nice, where like if you you know crouch or jump, it, it really goes by itself. It's like super natural how he created everything. So it's in the same universe, and the physics are good. It's all about physics. You know, even so, do you even mean your your player character's body, like like, and do you mean like from a momentum perspective, like when you move your arm, or is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like so. you you really feel like it's your body in the virtual world, and it, it matches. And yeah, if you jump, if you move, it's just it's it's very very detailed in the way. And, it, and when you go to their Steam page, it also says like you know it's a physics based uh, simulator with of course a storyline. You know, it's not just a sandbox. And hopefully you will be able to create your own worlds as well um, in the future. So yeah, I was surprised too because you know honestly, Stress Level Zero is very, you know, they work with Valve. Um, so this was a surprise that they jump in, and it's good because that means that you know Quest gets all the love for sure, content-wise, and that they just I, look around. But let's read into this a little bit, right? Project Four, I think, is what it was called. So. Project Four is being separately branded to Boneworks. Why? Because I'm going to guess here. Oculus or Facebook execs approached them with two sacks of money and said, hey, your game is great. Can you do that on an Android device? You know, <laughs> and, and they're like, yeah, sure. We like stressing ourselves out for a period of months to see if we can get this to work on a phone. Um, and I think that their protective membrane is to put it in a side project because it'll probably be stripped down. I don't think you're going to have the same storyline or whatever. Maybe we'll get a kind of a robo recall style experience, which is, again, that's going to be, I think, their benchmark. You know, Robo Recall, we've seen it. It's not the same fidelity as what you get on PC. You get a bit of fun out of it. And I think this will be similar. It'll be kind of like a bite-sized version of the game. It's, it's all about the physics, basically, yeah. and not really about how it looks. Yeah. yeah. But I'm, I'm glad it exists. You know, yeah. absolutely. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think it was a, a big surprise to me. I never anticipated that one coming. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. Uh, we've also got Five Nights at Freddy's uh, officially coming to Quest, which I think is great because a lot of people were asking for it. Um, so that's really cool. Fisherman's Tale, uh, again, another solid game that we've played. If you enjoy puzzle games, you know, you, you can't really get much better than that. It, it's a game that, that, that plays with scale a, quite a bit and with this kind of stepped immersion, which is, it, it's a great story. It's only a couple of hours long, but I think for a lot of people who were new to VR in the last year, there's, there's, a, there's a fair number of those that have mentioned it to me that like, that's my favorite game. Like, it's, it's a very solid puzzle. Relatively short, but extremely polished, I would say. Um, then we've got Arizona Sunshine, which we've been waiting for for a while on Quest. Um, Wait a second. Isn't that what you talked about ages ago when you were going to eat your, uh, what was yeah. it you were going to eat? Something. A head strap. Okay, no more head strap. You know, you know that, um, like, the thing is, <laughs> I, I just knew it was going to come, yeah. you know? So I didn't just, I don't make random predictions. I know what I'm talking okay. about. Sure. Funny enough, you know what they did? Vertigo Games, you know what they did? <laughs> They sent me, they sent me, they, they sent me a, hey, you know what they did? They sent me a cake with a head strap on there. And they were like, uh, something like, you know, we're going to surprise you. So I was like, okay, that's a hint that I'm actually right. Yeah. So in the end, I'm happy. So yeah, I don't, yeah. But one thing we should say is, because your other prediction uh, in a video was about Winlands coming to the quest. And we know that that's not going to happen now. So maybe you will be in a head strap after well, all. Well, with that cable, you can play Windlands too. Yeah. So, hey, there, there we go. go. 
Um, so some other games that we should mention uh, are Snowdrift. That was one that we got teased uh, from the, the trailer that we really don't know anything about. So mysterious, mysterious looking, but cool. Like, uh, it kind of was like a little bit like a survival element that I got from it. Like, you know, you had like campfires you need to build, you need to go like, you know, you with bears chasing you, right? Yeah. Like, it was very like survivalist. Like, and I haven't really seen anything like that in VR really yet, except for like maybe like Project Solace that did that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. But like uh, like a real survival game, like uh, yeah, I'm up for that though. I love that kind of game. Yeah, a bit like uh, a bit like the forest or something like that yeah, yeah. on Quest. I think that would do super well. So interested to know more about Snowdrift. So hopefully uh, we'll try and learn some more about that uh, in the coming weeks. Uh, no, nothing about the climb. Uh, you know, again they teased it last year. Uh, and it was even in some uh, trailer reels, uh, but no actual mention of it that is coming to the Quest. So maybe they're teasing more. Let me drop another bomb. Minecraft. No Minecraft. Yeah. Although my prediction around the climb is that um, now we've got this finger tracking, maybe they'll they'll release their game with that technology baked into it. Who who knows? Because it's, that's all about using your hands. So that was kind of my guess about that. Um, and then of course the big one that dropped, you know, like Beyonce style, uh, you know, on the on the on the the, the keynote was uh, Vader Immortal Episode Two, and it's obviously out now. It came out yesterday, so uh, yeah, that was kind of like a really cool moment, you know. But we were like, oh, we're all here, we we can't play this game, uh, you know, in our little uh, creator demo area. We we don't have access to record it, so like everyone at home's playing it. And we're like. Oh, we don't get to play, and we're here. <laughs> it's funny that uh, uh, Tariel he wanted to uh, record it here, yeah. and um, you know yeah. we have this place where we can use Rift S to play Stormland, you know, and some some other titles, Asgard's Wrath, etc. Um, and also uh, things on the Quest. So we were like, can we just you know download it on the Quest and and play it and and record that? Uh, that but that was. Uh, impossible basically so Tariel went to Best Buy oh, yeah. to buy a quest to take it here and then play it anyways uh, pretty much the same thing but then but then the quest was broken <laughs> yeah he managed to get a, a faulty one which is which is actually very rare um, and, and yeah it just didn't work so he couldn't play it in the end anyway but I did oh you did I played it last night oh, okay. So um, I won't I won't spoil anything, but you guys know. I mean, we were actually um, at odds. I think on the last title, because like Mike, you were saying it was either your favorite or second favorite of the year, yeah. uh, things like that. You were quite impressed with yeah. it as well, Rowdy. I was kind of like, it's all right, it's a Star Wars thing, but yeah, you know, I was like okay with it. Um, this one, I've only played ten minutes of it, so the introduction bit, and I, I won't go into detail, but I will say that from IXLM Labs, this is what I expected. This is what I wanted: lighting, sound fucking impactful piece of cinematography in VR. Like, this is what I wanted. And um, I got to use the Force powers, and I'm not gonna say any more. For all of those of you <laughs> listening at home, uh, you'll know what I mean. But <laughs> this title, uh, I am very excited to play the rest of it. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely very positive about and this. And it's also out for the Rift S immediately. Immediately, now. yeah. So, so can I also mention another title, Space Channel 5, also coming. Cool I'm game. a big, I'm a big fan. I can't wait to dance with Ulala. Yeah, no, that, that game's actually really fun, but the premise is totally whacked. If if you, if you haven't you know seen it, you're like, oh, aliens have descended on the planet, and you must do dance moves to be able to fight off the aliens. And like, I played this. I'm sure it was after Nate that you had played it at some convention or something. You mentioned it. I'd been skipping it. Like I skipped it at VRLA, and then I got to play it um, when we were in in PAX, and I was like, this game is actually good. Now, I know. Is it? So it's landing. It must be landing. Both for Oculus's uh, real estate as well as as PlayStation, then, because we yes, we played yes, it on PlayStation. It's a very PlayStation kind of uh, it is. thing. Super it's Sega who made it. Yeah, it's very Japanese. 
but uh, it's, <laughs> it's very it's, Japanese. It's like it's like Dance Central, but then like with your dance move, you shoot aliens. Weird. Sounds awesome. Sounds awesome. So that's pretty much all the quest stuff, I think, isn't it? Like, is, yeah. is there anything else? Can I can I just like say that lineup wise, I expected more. As I said, I wanted to really see a roadmap. I wanted to see more for quest. I'm again a little concerned about what we're getting. It was they even showed this video with all these games. I was like, is that it? Yeah. Is that all? Uh, and it's almost Christmas. Yeah. It's almost next year, actually, as well. I, I, so, you know. Yeah, it's funny, actually, because Jason Rubin came on stage and he was like, normally this is my favorite part of the show. And then uh, I was like, here we go. Here's all the big games. They're going to do a little clip. Each maybe developer is going to talk about it or they'll individually talk about each game and its merits and why you should be hyped about it. And then it was like, what is it, Mike Mike Verdu, who's taken his new role? And he was like, hey, what's up? Uh, yeah, check out this little highlight reel. And that was like, okay, job done. See you later. <laughs> it's like, wh where is everything? I With Jason Rubin, when he was, you know, like he was picking what we would play next, but also the way he, he was announcing it, he knew what he was talking about. But with this guy, it didn't feel like I was looking at a gamer. I yeah. felt a disconnection between this yeah, man same. and uh, maybe his team is great, but he, I don't know, I was like, do you really know what I want or yeah. what, what the audience wants? He felt a little bit more like a Microsoft exec walking on stage, being like, okay, so you played a game 10 years ago, but, and to be honest, it's being unfair, right? The guy might be a hardcore gamer, but he doesn't, he doesn't come off that way. And I think in prepping for shows like this, you, you either have to admit that's not my strength and maybe I'll bring a team member on with me and we'll do a kind of a, a song and dance between us. Yeah. Or, or, you know, we just fess up and be like, yeah, I don't, I'm not a gamer, but I'm going to show you the, the way forward. And the thing is, like, uh, you know, we, we've said this before so many, so many times, like, hardware is great, hardware is great, but we need the games, we need the content, and that's what, like, we were all wanted from this show. Like, we, like you said, like, Nathan said it a couple of times just recently, like, and it's a really good point, we want a roadmap of what's coming in the future, a bit like Nintendo Direct, you know, this is why you bought a Switch. This is why we, we state understand. Of, also state of play, state kind of, of play. State of play, you know, yeah. this is, we're, we're honoring your investment into the technology and we're gonna keep giving you these great games. And that is what is missing from Oculus right now is that, okay, we've got these games lined up, but what's next? What we what we got to look forward to like next summer, for example, you know? Maybe like uh, the reasoning behind that is like that they thought like, you know what, we're, we're bringing out the Oculus Link they get an access to an entire library of contents. So, you know, the amount of content that we bring in, it's a lot now, but it's not like new kind of content. You know, maybe, maybe that is the reasoning but behind it. Just, just one thing I just want to say, I want to say this, because I think we've we mentioned this on the show before as well, but, you know, Beat Saber, I love this game. Like Beat Saber, I still play it regularly. It is like the darling of VR. But we've got a problem in VR if that is still the number one game after a year after it's being released and nothing can take it off the top spot. And that's that's a content problem. Yeah. It's, it's the same with like someone was uh, asking me like, hey, what is your favorite game? And then I was like asking the same thing. Like there are still a few people that I met here that say like, oh, the lab is my. Oh, the lab is my go to demo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then like as long as uh, Beat Saber is still the flagship, there's something wrong. But I, I get a very uncomfortable feeling at these conventions that it's not a content issue, it's a moderation issue. I feel like the tap is squeezed too tight and that there is a wall of stuff. I've played a bunch of things on here that have not been greenlit for Quest that are fucking amazing on Quest. Yeah, yeah. And we've heard it from a few developers, like you said, you know, that haven't got the green light to go on, on the Quest store. 
And I, I do hope they find a home on, on SideQuest and they can monetize it some way and get the return on their investment because they've already put the work in, the game is already made, it works. Uh, so I really wish them the best of luck with that. I have a question on that. So four side quests. Side question. A side. Uh, <laughs> he did it, lads. Like now the comments. Like are, now the top comment's going to be side question. You know that. All right. So my question is, have any of you come across a paid for app on SideQuest? I believe it exists. Yeah, so apparently it does exist now, and I actually met the the guy who runs SideQuest. Uh, yeah, he he's here um, oh. with his team, and um, yeah, I, I I said to him like, you know, surely this is the next evolutionary step for SideQuest is to monetize the platform, and he was like, absolutely, a hundred percent. There's always been a, a, a ultimate goal, but it, it it's whether it will cause problems for them, which is the issue, you know, and we don't know what the kickback will be because Oculus have been kind of chill about it so far, I kind of feel like, although we don't know what happens behind the scenes, of course, but it feels like there's been no like pushback against it. But if there's another platform competing that's using their hardware, then maybe that might be a different story, but it's going to be very interesting to see what happens over the coming months. But certainly from our perspective, we support an open VR platform, right? And it's funny that I also met them and uh, comparing like the lineup that we saw here at the keynote, they have more in store than Facebook themselves yeah. because developers can at least publish something that has potential and is maybe not completely ready because early access doesn't exist on Quest and on SideQuest it does exist. So they are they are competing in a way. And as I said before, the moment you, you can buy apps, they're going to pay more attention because money is, you know, that's that's going to be a little bit that's of an issue. Good. I want it to exist because OpenVR is awesome. That's a political landscape that I think is going to get them in a lot of trouble. Honestly, if, uh, if, if I think, think SideQuest is going, I think I think SideQuest is going to die if they try to monetize it. And the problem is, the developers on the other side of the fence saying, "I put all my hard work in. You're not letting me launch. I'm going to find another way." And if it's not SideQuest, I think we're getting pushed down into the Napster arena again. Yeah. Honestly, you're going to jump from SideQuest gets shut down, then the next one comes up. So if you're a smart dev, copy what SideQuest is doing. And get ready because you know when that ship falls ideally, over. Ideally, it would actually be decoupled from SideQuest. You know, in a way. Ideally, like, yeah. There's like, ways around it. Like there that. that like for example, you would have something like a Patreon that like people would be able to donate in order to play the game or like something like that that you could like decouple it from SideQuest so that SideQuest it's, it's itself. It's obvious though. It's yeah, still, I, I, mean, I know. But then at least like SideQuest is not the one to say like, oh, you know, we, we're not, we don't have any control over that if the developer <laughs> gives a key but, or not. But that's like the mega upload or you know these, these yeah, mass yeah, file know, share but, sites. But it's exactly how they took down. And then it'll buy them a year. It'll buy them a year. You know, yeah. that's it. It's logical that that's going to happen because if there's no other way for a developer to get their, their yeah. game out there, then they don't have any other which way brings, to go. Which brings me back to the center point here, right? I think Oculus have the tap too tight right now. And I think that they need to do something to alleviate that because we're not talking about un, un, unreasonable people. We're talking about hardworking developers who produce good content. Yep. And when it's ready to mm -hmm. ship, they're going to knock it on the door. And they're getting turned away yeah. time and time and time again. And gamers are saying, I want why. it. We don't know why, of course. Well, they're, they're curating the content. Like they said, they will always do, you know? And I, I understand that. And there is a value to that. They're trying to become a console. And you don't want to be laughed off the market or cause trouble with consumers because of, you know, content that's not ready. So you really only have two options. Either you scale up your team who's doing all the kind of QA on the Oculus side to say, I will let you on the store. Mm -hmm. You have to make that team a lot bigger yeah. to deal yeah. with the volume. And I think they're not ready to do that yet. Yeah. Although one thing we did find out last week is that Somatic Bruce, who's like real OG 
uh, in, in the VR scene. You know, I, I 100% respect that guy because he was one of the big influences for me to get into like creating content on YouTube. But he's part of that curation team now, and I think it, he's a, a the the perfect person to have on that team. So hopefully, things. He's the guy who still has all of the Oculus Share kind of uh, uh, games that is right there on his laptop. So I think he's the ideal guy to do something like this. Yeah. But in the but. end, in the end, I mean, we're talking about Facebook. There's always someone on top that decides, that has no idea what video games really are, has never even touched a VR game before. And that's the one that pushes the green or the red button. It's not somatic Bruce. It's not all these nice OG people. It's like... It's a step in the right direction. Like, it, it just feels like, it feels a little bit like they're a bit too corporate, corporate about the decisions they make, and then you see that back in the games that come out, it's it's very reserved in a way. Yeah. It's not adventurous. I, I gotta say about Bruce, right? One thing I gotta say about Bruce, I'm I'm very glad he got the role he got. I love Bruce. We've done shows in alt space together. Like go back, nothing against him, but I do think that if you're on the Oculus side, putting Bruce into that role, what you're doing is you're saying I'm gonna, you know, buy in the guy who is very well stitched with the community, who can act as our nice little shield against the developers who are you know, giving us so much grief. Yeah. And I think that Bruce has a lot of weight on his shoulders in that respect. I think to an extent he's gonna have to be, um, he's gonna have to respect the decisions of his employer you know, at this stage as well. He'll have some influence, but it'll be metered and limited. And so, although we, you know, I would love to say, I expect Bruce to fly in uh, you know, the Superman cape and address those problems. That's not what Bruce is gonna do. And, you know, I wish him luck because that's a tough job. He's got a lot of developers looking into him who know him, who know his name. And to be honest, he's going to take pressure off of the other faceless people who are actually saying no. But it's also worth mentioning that obviously, you know, doing these things, SideQuest, you know, probably percentage of Quest owners that use SideQuest is very, very small. In the, in the, in the grander scheme of things, probably many out there that own a Quest that are very happy with it, don't, probably don't even know it exists because they're not in this bubble that we're in, you know, where we think it's such a big deal, but maybe it's not. Um, well, let's move on from Quest then and maybe talk about Rift because some, some Rift games were announced. Uh, obviously, the big one was Respawn. You know, we mentioned that on our prediction show last week, we thought it was going to be a World War Two game or World War One or World War Two game. Yep. Uh, spot on with that, which I, I was so chuffed about. <laughs> I was so happy. I was so happy. My, my, my reaction though, like, I, I saw, I mean, the, the intro was amazing where they throw down the like vinyl record and they start shooting to the music. You're like straight away feeling like um, Inglorious Bastards, that yeah. kind of vibe. And it was, I had a really embarrassing moment because I'm like, shit, th this looks like Medal of Honor. Like they, they're stealing the IP. And before they flash the logo and they're like Medal of Honor, I'm like, oh shit, that's their IP. <laughs> it's it's, like, I don't think it's their IP, it's like EA's IP, right? Um, yeah, I don't think Respawn were in charge of the original builds. X number 12 years ago, EA, or they must EA, have bought EA it up. EA owns uh, Medal of Honor. It's changed hands, I think, since the original. But I, I used to play that in lands oh, yeah. and stuff. Like I love that. Yeah. But I think it's great that a big name IP is coming to VR. So I, I thought that was really cool. And like you say, some of the mechanics that were shown off in the trailer, you know, like catching grenades and throwing them back or shooting a grenade in midair. No, the grenade with the teeth, yeah. right? The guy, the whole audience erupted laughing. It's like, he takes a grenade, yeah. tears out the pin with his teeth and throws yeah. it. Now, how, how that worked, it must just be a proximity be. thing, but yeah. it was amazing. Fra frying pan action, everything to kind of beat up like Nazis. And, and the reloading in reloading. the game, like the way that the guns, like you could see, like that they they packed like some heat there, like it felt like really like visceral, like in the way that they were holding the guns. And, like. and apparently, from someone who's played it, they have the M1 Garand, which is my favorite mm -hmm. favorite yeah. rifle from Bad Company 2. You're like ding 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 ding, ping, 
<laughs> you know, I love that gun. One thing I didn't like, and that is something that they didn't show in the in the in the trailer, but that was something that I saw on the show floor. I didn't get to try it, but yeah. I, to get to see people play it, it's when they use like the gun, like with like a sniper rifle with like a zoom on there. So they would bring the scope to their face, and everything around the scope will become black. Oh. That's common though. There's a few there's a few VR titles that actually use yeah, that, and it doesn't feel bad to use it. I, I don't like that. Is that the Shadows uh, core scope we're talking about? Yeah, yeah actually similar. it is. Similar. Yeah, it's very similar to that. I don't, I don't like that kind of, like, <laughs> it, it, doesn't, it doesn't feel immersive for me at all. Like if, if, I, if I try that kind of stuff, it's, it's just like, I wonder what I model, do that. because we got Sniper Elite coming as well, right? The VR version of that, Sniper Elite 3. So um, the scope thing actually makes a lot of difference. Now, I think you and I had the same experience some years ago in Out of Ammo. The first time you were in the bell tower and out of ammo, mm. like clocking the thing, like loading oh, the round. Man. I mean, that felt amazing. If they would pick up mm. from, you know, that, which was a whole, uh, from Rocketworks, like Dean mm. Hall and that. I, I was talking was to awesome. uh, to PSVR Frank about that. And he, had, he actually had a really cool hypothesis, uh, hypothesis about why they did that. Like he was saying like, you know, the reason why they, they black out the, the surroundings of the scope is probably because they don't want to render the screen four times. Yeah, because if you if you render in the scope, you have one kind of view you need to render in. It's a different kind of camera. The camera around that you need to render in. You need to render it in two eyes, so it's four times you need to render it. But if you want to bring it to less powerful platforms, such ah. as, for example, an Oculus Quest, it might not be ideal to be rendering multiple screens. Did they announce it for Quest? This they didn't. No. Not okay. yet. Not yet. So you have the cable. Yeah. But I've also heard like people have said, that it, it, it isn't as visually impressive in playing it. And some people have felt like, like a little bit like, oh, I was expecting more from so a AAA. Maybe it has been dumbed down a little bit to make it easier to possible. be ported to a platform like the Oculus Quest. So uh, we should mention that it's a single player. Um, we should also mention that uh, the last few Medal of Honor games weren't that great. They were struggling a little bit. So this could be the comeback of Medal of Honor. I think the last one was in Afghanistan. It was like a, a, a future one. It didn't really land that well. There was never that much hype. I think my favorite one was definitely uh, the first two, you know, especially, you know, the World yeah. War uh, II scene. Also, Airborne was an awesome one. It's funny that I played Medal of Honor in VR five years ago with yeah. Farpex. I saw my videos like, wait, whoa, did I just. With the DK1. I saw you with it's, your cheeky tweet. It was good. It's crazy, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a single player. I was hoping for, for a multiplayer because from a single player perspective, it was a lot of like, okay, you shoot some, some Nazis there. But I hope that, as Rowdy always mentions, the story is good and it's not just about that all the time. You are playing someone from the resistance. So that could mean that you need to sneak in somewhere, place some, some dynamite under a, like a Nazi headquarters or I hope there's some puzzling in there too and not just, oh, we're just gonna, because, okay, frying pans are fun, but are they fun for six hours? I don't think so. You wanna also do other stuff. Yeah. But they well, mention, they did mention that it was more like an emotional experience as well. So they really wanna tackle that as well, like the psychology of war. You know, I think that's, that's a great concept to like bring to a virtual reality title. And especially if you wanna have a good storyline. I think the thing is like none of us have got to try it yet. I, I think that's the biggest shame, you know, like we mentioned earlier, you know, uh, the queues were about three hours because like e each person was getting like a 30 minute demo. So it is one of those things that's unfortunate we did try, but it's we're literally making the sacrifice now to play Medal of Honor to record this podcast. So it's all of your fault. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> so uh, so Medal of Honor was, of course, the big one from Respawn. And then we had, uh, you know, Stormland uh, record, uh, releasing on the, the 14th of November and then Asgard's Wrath releasing on the 10th of October. 
um, and that's and that that's pretty much it for the whole PC. Yeah. So again, like not much content. Uh, well, although it's worth, you know, obviously uh, Vader Immortal Two came out on uh, Rift as well yesterday, and then uh, what the, our favorite game, Pistol Whip, is is coming to to Rift as well and, and PC. Lone Echo 2 was here, but again, these games you've seen at E3, we played it at PAX, we played them last year, so for us, Medal of Honor was really the only new title for us to really get excited about. Um, but maybe we should kind of round up uh, the, the sort of podcast with uh, the show floor, because I, I felt like the show floor here at Oculus Connect felt very different from previous years. You know, like this is my third OC, and you know, some of our highlights from last year were like the, the local multiplayer quest uh, experience, which was the Dead and Buried Arena. And we were really hoping that we were going to get to try out Eye Illusion's uh, Space Pirate Arena experience yeah, yeah. because, you know, for those of you that have seen the uh, the sort of little le like tweet that they posted out of the gameplay, it looks incredible, you know, like local multiplayer with quest, fighting and using cover and shooting. It just looks so much fun. So I was really banking that we got to play it here, but unfortunately, sadly, that's not the case. Did get to meet the developer and have a chat with him. He's a super lovely guy. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with that title. But yeah, it felt like, you know, they weren't doing it this year. It's, it, it, it feels like, from my perspective, it, it feels very corporate, very serious. I don't see that many, like, on the show floor, not many devs being able to showcase their games there. There's a lot of empty space, well, that could have filled up with all kinds of games. I was really hoping that this year there would be so many games, you know, like lines and lines of games. And when I spoke to Anna from Pixel Rip, she said, like, we would have loved to be here, but instead they put a plant there with three benches around it. Well, they could have had a freaking awesome game there that people could have and, tried. And, and this is the funny thing, like, the best games that we tried weren't on the show floor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Pixel Ripped and Pistol Whip both were random demos that we we, we happened like on the concourse or in a hotel room. And uh, the thing is, like last year, we had so many great experiences. We had The Void was here. Yeah. Like There was none like that here. We had indeed the Dead and Buried Arena demo, wasn't here. We had an entire v, VR Esports League that was yeah. here. There yeah. was events. There's, there's none of that here. No. There's none of that here. There they have a large business center. They have a large coffee bar. Yeah, those are the two oh. things that you have. But like, where, where's the rest of the call? After, after the keynote yesterday, the only thing that, that was there were the demo booths. That is it. The enterprise aspect is taking up a third of the floor. Yeah. A third of the floor. So you've got like, now that is an important aspect if you're running a business and you're like, I have 200 Oculus Go's for my, for my training my Walmart staff and I have to individually tie them to an individual mobile. I can't manage them centrally. And they've actually announced kind of some of that coming. Now, I actually tried some of the enterprise uh, software. And um, for instance, there was one that was DHL. And I'll tell you, I will never look again at my Amazon delivery person and be like, your job is easy. Maybe I'll take your job. Because what it had you doing was packages coming down this like conveyor belt. And you grab the packages, scan them, and load them in the truck efficiently. And it scores you on how well you package. And you have to package fast. And I was like, after doing that once, I did a pretty good score, but after doing that once, I have a lot more respect for delivery folks. And um, I don't know, I think that that was odd, like that we had so much of that enterprise slash business slice on the floor. The thing is, I was, I was talking to Lonely Viper yesterday, like we met, we met up here as well, and he was saying as well, it feels like the focus of like the, of this connect, is like far less on like gaming and much more on like, you know, what else is there for virtuality? You know, yeah, like the yeah. business aspect, you know, the, the kind of things that they're showing here with your hand tracking. Like, the, it, it doesn't feel like the focus is really on gaming this year, which is, of course, something that we're all very passionate about, but maybe other people that are here are not really. So, I mean, I do get that. It's just a bit 
strange if you compare it to last year, where they had like tennis courts here where you could play with the Oculus Quest. Such a different, such a different, such kind a different of model. Yeah, it's just weird that I there are so many developers here, like in hotel rooms, demoing stuff that work actually with Oculus, but don't have a spot here. Yeah. Well, last really year weird. they had like these lines of like these little booths, like Final Assault had a booth, uh, Echo, etc. You had all these these indies lined up that you could play, and now it's like okay, uh, Medal of Honor, and it's like they are hiding right now outside. And you know the thing is, if they continue doing that. It becomes just like E3, where Oculus Connect will be here, but then you have other things around here. Yeah. Let's say if I would next year put in some money with some developers, and I'm like, we're gonna have our own little space here, yeah, and you can else? demo everywhere you want, it's and happening. then gather everyone. No, it, it's it's gonna. Ready, it's already happening tonight. Operation Indie, just across the street. They did it yeah. last year. It was very successful. All the stuff they couldn't put on the show floor was was demoing at the bottom of a hotel uh, just across the road. Yeah. And to be honest. What do I love the most? I love the indie stuff because I want to. I want to try the things that are new. You want to kind of touch something like. I mean, yeah. I hate to say Beat Saber again, right? But that came out of a game jam, and it's like that's that's what that's how you grow a sunflower from a seed. You don't that's, grow that's a sunflower like, from a sunflower. That's of course what we were passionate about, but maybe that is not the the thing that they want to focus on with this connect. You're right. Their strategy like is going, but we've, we've seen that in several ways. There's yeah. fewer of us here, right? And and that's a very intentional strategic shift. And I don't think it's not not necessarily right. It's, it's you know, Zuckerberg made his mark in the first year and he said, right, I want a billion, right? I want a billion of you feckers to get into VR. And you don't do that by channeling a gaming. Now that might be unfortunate for us, but at the same time, that, that, that focus and what they're delivering, yeah. I think is really good. I was very impressed at what yeah. they had to, to show for enterprise management. But let's be honest about it, without gaming, uh, Oculus wouldn't exist. Well, exactly. it, it, you know, so, so you've, got to, you've got to cater to your, your, your hardcore audience. The thing is, it would make sense if there, was no, there were almost no games here, if uh, gaming was mainstream enough where it could just uh, work by itself. But right now, you still need to pump in money yeah. to make it happen. So it not being here yeah. is actually hurting the developers that are outside here trying to demo their games to us yeah. because they can't be here yeah. inside. And, and you know it's not a gaming event when uh, the lonely Viper gets kicked out during the keynote for wearing his full Deadpool outfit. So shame on you, Oculus, for kicking him out. Like, do you know who this guy is? You know. <laughs> Third-party contract, security yeah. contract. Actually, I'm gonna go on a record. That was uh, my highlight, Piper. That yeah, was yeah, definitely yeah. my highlight of the show. <laughs> so, so yeah, it is a shame. I think they, they missed a trick, and certainly with the VR League not being here or the ESL, like you know, because they had such a big presence on previous years, and it is like a huge spectacle when you see these guys, yeah. you know, because these guys, like hats off to the these competitive players, and I, I could never do this. They put so many hours in per day training, like in Onward or, or other competitive games like Echo Arena, working together as a team and building this bond as a teammate, and then not having the opportunity to show those skills off yeah. at a big event like this is, is, is a real shame. So, so I was speaking to the VR Respawn guys yesterday in a bar, and this is something I said before, you know, right now there is no esports because it kind of dropped. It kind of, you know, had a setback where yeah. the esports the e guys are here, the players, but they don't have their own space to play or show the action of, and it, it, it looks like that Oculus isn't, and ESL are not really investing money into it anymore, and it's completely gone yeah. for a part. Of course, they are still passionate, and they will just continue trying, because Someone they created like up. Space Junkies Someone League, Onward League, they create their own thing, so they will find a way. But it's like, I, 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 I said it before, you can't artificially 
be like, okay, uh, we're Oculus, we make a, a game that is kind of competitive, and then we want it to be an eSport. The community in the end decides what becomes an eSport, not the other way around, and this shows that it fails that way. If there, if let's say if Population One, another game that also was a big miss, that is like one of those games that could become an eSport if the community thinks it's good enough. It has the potential to become that. Yeah, because like, look, look what happened to Epic Games. You know, no one really was that interested. You know, they made some amazing titles, of course, but Fortnite has really put them on the map. And if Population One being like the Fortnite of VR, that's kind of what they're aiming for with this battle royale cross-platform play. It, it could it could really like push the industry forward. So like you say, they've missed an opportunity there. But I just think it's a real shame because even from a technical standpoint, when you watch these uh, these guys, they're on these podiums, and then you've got their like first-person views, and you know you've got big sort of cameras sweeping through like the onward scene. It makes it look so cool, uh, and it, it is inspiring to get people like interested and excited in VR. So I think again, a missed opportunity there. It's, it's for them as I, I just feel a little sad for them because because last year they were like uh, having this, you know, big place where you could watch the league and it had this big cup you could win. And it was was amazing. They did it in the keynote space where yeah. usually people, you know, listen to everyone talk. But since this year it's not there, for them it's like bad advertisement because people know from what what, what happened here last year and they're like, whoa, so what happened, yeah. you know? So they, they all, and it's funny, they all got invited too to come here. But they're just hanging out here on the show floor having fun and that's all and this is, i just want to say one thing because like obviously the big thing of the keynote was vr is now vr is now it's like well, show us then it's now because it doesn't feel like it right now do you know what i mean because we're missing the big presence that we had last year for gaming you know like i even i know a couple of people who came here specifically because they liked the vr esports event last year so much and they're like uh, where is it this year? They paid money to come here, and, and there's literally nothing here I, for I'm, VR esports. I'm e really, really surprised, aside from the esports side, which is like having the Olympiats walking around the floor and there be no Olympics on. That's a bit yeah. odd. Um, but aside from that, you know, like why they wouldn't just redo the Dead and Berry demo? It was such a hit last year. Loads of people didn't get a chance to try it. That couldn't have cost them that much in setup. It's literally a floor, a couple other staff, it was demo. They didn't have to do anything different. People might say, oh, it was the same thing as last year. It was totally awesome. Yeah. You know, I'd, why wouldn't they just roll that again? So the things I do want to say are, things that I've been impressed with are, uh, aside from the plants and benches, which I have to say there are too many of, <laughs> like we, we would prefer more more booths and stuff and shorter shorter lines. Some of the setup is nice. I mean, the front, uh, front door, again, they've done a good job there. Um, the actual staff who handled us, Good, good job People there. So nice. The the actual presentation, I thought Zuckerberg's presentation was actually very well portrayed. Oh, yeah. The, the only person, the, yeah, the keynote like was it. the first keynote was like was really, great. really good. Um, I missed the second one. I know you guys attended that this morning, but like the, the one place where I just I I had a belly laugh was when the woman was was introducing Horizon and was like, oh, and you can do this thing in in Facebook Home. Oh no, uh, Oculus Home. And it was like, oh, that woman <laughs> cried herself to sleep tonight. Oh no, you should, you should look at that in the keynote. Like watch the whole keynote, it's worth it for that six seconds. So we didn't really mention Facebook Horizon, but oh, yeah. so so what I'm wondering, as far as I know, this is like an app, right? It's like VR chat rec room. I was hoping that this was Oculus Rooms, where it would be like, okay, this is like you just you are just in Facebook Horizon straight away, but it's an app you have to launch. So so there's still no like place to really no. hang out officially Oasis. straight off the yeah. bat, right? Yeah. So I, I don't I don't really know what what's that. It's actually just what announcing purpose? your own. Like again, Never. Facebook Spaces, Alt Space, uh, VR Chat. I'm gonna go with like uh, I am excited about that though. I think it's like the potential that it has. Yeah. It's 
it's pretty cool. Like, you know, building your own worlds. Like, it's like, it's very popular in Rec Room to do that. And Facebook is a, is a big platform. It's, it's, it's a lot of people that are on Facebook still. So I do think that's like a nice way to push, you know, virtual reality to an audience that may not have seen or heard about it. So yeah. I do think that is a really nice kind of concept. I might open up like in, like a lot of new users to it. And they have some cloud because they mentioned some yeah, interactivity yeah. with Facebook yeah, yeah. that allows you to post from straight from VR. So yeah. I think for, what- For developers as well. Yeah, for so developers you, as well. So exactly. they can make points where you can like then share it to Facebook as a user. So that will increase like the, uh, the exactly. social output, the social awareness about your app, about your game. So I do think that is great. But that fish hook, that fish hook concept of like, I can put the, put the line and sinker out there and pull someone else in that's going to be important and it is it's, it's their platform so they can support it and keep going do i do i think it's going to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with rec room absolutely not i think rec room uh you know should pay attention to this and what they're doing but to date what they've managed to do is game mode after game mode give us satisfying content that's easily uh achieve, you know works across all the different platforms very easy to get into you've already got an established friend base to shake that tower is not going to be easy and, and plus, like last week, I mentioned the virtual marketplace on VRChat. They're already a step ahead. They are creating like the civilization in virtual reality where Facebook Space, it's kind of like, yeah, you can create your own stuff, but they are already working on currencies. They have like, you can just like, you know, it's still kind of limited in a way where VRChat, of course, VRChat, you can just, you know, download things from the internet and then like maybe there's not even a license for that and you can just make, you know, it's all kind of, I don't know, somewhere in the cloud. Um, one more thing that I want to mention that I was also missing here is like the whole arcade business. Like Dead and Buried was here last year with yeah. their arena. I was just hoping they were hinting more to like, oh, maybe we have like a springboard license you yeah. can get. Um, and, and with that, of course, also cloud saves. Yeah, where the feck is the cloud saves? Where's the bloody cloud saves? You know what I have? My Quest has every title on Oculus Store on it. Every single title. And if I lose that thing, you know how long it's going to take me to reinstall all of that and all the progress I'll have lost? But they do have a friend system now, at least. Yeah. But we're getting there. We're but getting there. There's no but still no connected social. There's still no connected social in terms of multi-platform connecting world. There isn't There isn't that there yet. And of course, you know, we've mentioned a few things that we liked during the keynote. You know, the keynote was good. Some things that we like coming to Quest and the games and, you know, some of the things we're disappointed about, like with the Rift games library, you know, no future sort of roadmap in terms of stuff to look forward to in the future. But of course, the, the main reason to be here and the magic of being here at Connect is connecting with people, right? Uh, being together. Aww. Uh, together as a, as, a, as a team here is is super awesome and, and, and meeting developers uh, uh, you know from from games that we've enjoyed over the last few years and we they have our total respect and gratitude but also you know just connecting with other like-minded VR enthusiasts you know it feels like you're, you've got a place here when you come here that you are amongst friends and family and that's exactly what it feels like which is amazing and and I think Regardless of what happens in the future with Connect, uh, you know whether it, it becomes more business focused, like we've seen this year over previous years, we'll still have this amazing place to meet up and, and have this wonderful experience with other people. It, it, it still is the the one place you can go in the world and not have the forty second introduction about what the feck is VR. <laughs> that, that that honestly like wears on me over as the years go on. And to come here and just like every single person you speak with knows what it's about. They're already bought it and excited about it because if you wouldn't be here otherwise, you wouldn't have paid the $500 entry ticket if you weren't fucking excited or here for some reason. So what, what I like the most is like this, this, this community, this family, it's like when you're here, it's like no one thinks in, in, in problems, but in solutions. It's like everyone is creative in some way. And when you go home, you have to deal with all 
you know, there's certain people again that you're like in, but here it's like, okay, yeah, this is the next step. If there is a like a problem, let's let's talk about it together. Let's see how can we solve it. Like there there is nothing is impossible when you're at Oculus Connect with other people. Yeah, absolutely. So unless you guys got anything else you want to add, we'll sort of round up the podcast there. I think. Yeah. So yeah, uh, you know, uh, you got something, Zim? You want to say? Something? No, I was just gonna say uh, I think your your wrap up there was uh, was really good, Mike. So uh, you know, well said. So yeah, I hope you guys and girls have uh, enjoyed this one. Apologies for the planes going over. It's one of those things here in San Jose. There's always planes going over and there's trams making noises in the distance. But I hope despite the noise, uh, you've enjoyed this one anyway. And uh, we'll obviously be back uh, home next week for our usual podcast at our usual time. Uh, And uh, yeah, thanks again for tuning in and enjoying it. And uh, we'll be back. Be sure to also like this. uh... (laughs) Yeah. And also like next week, of course, you know, when we get home, we've got the cosmos to look forward to to try out and get our hands on so I think next week's show will be more centered around our hands on impressions of the cosmos so if you're interested in that make sure you stay tuned for that one Uh, if not have a great week in VR and until then we'll uh, have a great week take care see you then bye 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 bye